Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Broadcast. My name is Mike and this is Tammy. God bless everybody. Coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada on this gorgeous Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. Coming right up, we are in the book of John, chapter 2. Don't you dare miss it. But please first consider your part in the many-member body of Christ, the Companion Chapel that me and Tammy set up is a registered nonprofit ministry. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-member body of Christ. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. And the reason we set it up as a nonprofit was so people that donate know the money legally has to go not into our pockets, but into teaching God's word, getting God's word out there. We need managers. We need marketers. We have to get this word out to a hurting human family with the message of Christ's love. Now, please turn with me in your Bibles to John, and we're in chapter 2, and we're starting at verse 11. After this wedding feast, which was symbolic of the end-time wedding feast, that you better be there. That's your inheritance. Do you know how to claim it? Verse 12 here in John chapter 2. And after this, he went down to Capernaum and his mother and his brethren and his disciples. And they continued there not too many days, just for a little while. Why? What does Capernaum mean? It's a nice little resort town on the lake. And it actually means in Hebrew, a village of comfort. So they were down there just taking a chill and uh, talking things out. Fair enough. And the Jews' Passover was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Key here. Is it Yahweh's feast? Is it God's feast? It's supposed to be Jehovah's feast. The Jews passed over. Now, after the revival under Ezra and Nehemiah, corruption got back into the church, and we see it down to this day. And we have to say this, Tammy, in case these are first-time listeners. Hebrews, throughout the Bible, the biblical definition, the biblical usage of the word Hebrews denotes the language they spoke. The word Hebrew itself actually means those that cross the river. Hey, they're speaking Hebrew. Right? Right. Okay. Israelite is God's spiritual family that we are to adopt ourselves back into. If you want the biblical definition of what is an Israelite, Romans chapter 9. What is an Israelite? To adopt yourself back into God's family. What is son of Jacob? The 12 tribes of Israel. Okay. So, and what is the son of Judah? Well, that was the people that stayed back in lived in the land of Judea. So if you want to call yourself, oh, and what is a Jew? This is an adjective here in the Bible. And that means the lead clergy and their followers, their congregation that were clearly hostile to the Lord Jesus Christ and all Christianity. And it still is today. There's no racism in the Bible. If someone wants to call themselves a Jew today, that's very interesting to me. Because how do you follow your genealogy back all the way, thousands of years, thousands and thousands actually, Yeah. back to uh, my dad, and there's no uh, grandfather's names, there's no such thing as grandfather, your dad, my dad, my posterity is from Brother Judah, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. In the Bible, when we talk about Brother Judah, they call him sons of Judah. But it doesn't matter. It also is a geographical word to describe people living in the land of Judea. That's what the Gentiles said. Oh, these are the Jews. But here, the Jews' Passover, it's not Yahweh's Passover. It's not God's Passover. These are all feasts of the Jews of this new church clergy that was hostile to Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his people. And it's still today. 
when you marginalize the word of the Lord, you're hostile towards it, and that's all there is to it. You don't agree with it. And found in the temples, those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting there. And when he made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out and the temp of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables and said to them that sold doves, take these hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. They're in their selling salvation. And you see it today in churches too. Begging for money, thinking you can buy salvation. Look at what Jesus Christ did here. Like, here's this guy. Walks into the church. Flips tables, picks fights. He's got a weapon in his hand. And he's whipping people. Like, he's not messing around. God's not messing around. Selling salvation. Thinking you can buy your way into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, you have to support your teacher. There's no doubt about it. That's the rules. But you support the truth being taught as it's written in the book of Revelation. My word is gold. Invest in my word. Not in the ways and things of the world. You can't buy salvation. You can't buy inner peace, contentment. You can't buy faith. You can't buy love. It has to come from the heart. And these people have commodified salvation. They've commodified being a churchy church, making it look religious with big pomp and big show and big ceremonies. Do you see it today? Are you being taught God's word chapter by chapter, verse by verse? Or is it all about the show? And it's sad. We pray for everybody. Like God wants his children back. You know what? I'm going to stop there for a second. Me and Tammy have been talking in Bible study. And it was like we're overwhelmed. We're mourning for those walking in darkness. Just the volume of people that just don't care or are getting bamboozled by these church systems like this that have made people merchandise. Sad. It is overwhelmingly sad. sad. We talk about it all the time. We look at people and go, are you serious? Like, You just don't care where you go when you die? Because there's nothing more important than where you go when you die. And God well, wants his children back. One of the biggest things that I feel sad about is people that go to the churches and think that faith is enough and the preacher is telling them, just come in, faith is enough. He doesn't teach the Bible. They walk away not knowing God. And unfortunately, it's well, just sad. They've, they've made they've made up who they think God is. And, the, and yeah. the preacher's like, they told me when I was a kid, which was my motivation to learning this book from the manuscripts through the lexicons, was they told me it's not meant to be understood. They told me the book of Revelation is not meant to be understood. They told me the laws are written a long time ago. They serve pork in the church. That I, I'm just like, okay, this is the same people. This is a group of people that is hostile towards the truth because they compromise the truth. And look what Jesus Christ said. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thy house has eaten me up. Well, John's prompting us to go to Psalm 69 where this is first written. For the zeal of thy house has eaten me up, the deep emotion of men for God and against God and God for his children, the zeal, the deep emotion. And I'm going to read a little bit more. And the reproaches of them that reproached thee are fallen upon me. This is pure prophecy from Psalm 69, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who was to come. Okay, this is the taunting of them when they taunt. And they make, and I became a proverb unto them. 
You know, that's all the catchphrases people have against Christianity, against the Lord Jesus Christ. And they sit in the gate and speak against me. That's judges. And I was the song of drunkards. That's the blabbermouth chirping away, intoxicated by their own ego. And that's the saddest thing. When you join a cult, which is what the world is in right now, and it, the cult tells you what to think, tells you what to say, and tells you what to do with changed your religious authority and gives you all the catchphrases. Oh, we know these drunkards. It's not just booze. They're intoxicated with their ego. And you see them when we talk about, oh, here's Michael. He's going to talk about God again. I got some good catchphrases that major media has given me. Michael, your religion's a crutch. And you see the glow on a mocker's face, which is always illuminated by their imaginative, no, persistent unbelief, chronic disobedience, and I used to give it to them. Oh, that's your imaginative criticism. Not even because you're in a cult, you're told those catchphrases. You watch a documentary and go, oh, that proves that God doesn't exist. And then they try, try and throw it in your face. You know what I mean? The zeal, the emotion. And you just always have a linear progression towards the truth when you have a working knowledge of the Bible because the argument of the heathen is always predictable. It always veers off into someone's theory well, or hypothesis. I, it's always unprincipled. I love how the heathen has not read the Bible, but hasn't the, learned the Bible, uh, uh, ha doesn't have a Bible teacher, <laughs> but they know everything about the Bible. Oh, they know everything about the universe too. Yes. Drunkards, intoxicated with their own ego, and that also means, and, and then hear me in truth of thy salvation. The truth is Jesus Christ, the spirit of prophecy. That's the intellect of the sacred testimony. And the truth is that great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. We pray for everybody. Come on, man. That's not even a hard book to learn. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, no racism here. Don't you think otherwise, man? I'll come down on you like a... Someone did that to me. Oh, you're saying the Jews are... This is a clergy people woe unto them where, where did this hostile hatred come from anyway go back to genesis 3 16 okay here's your very first prophecy in the bible god talking to satan i will put enmity that's hostile hatred between you satan and the woman between thy seed your seed line satan and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise thy heel oh yeah lord jesus christ can bruise his head that's fatal Bruise the heel? Yeah, that's a pain in the butt when, you, when, when you're getting compromised, when you're getting delegitimized, and you're trying to march forward as a Christian, and you're getting your heel bruised by Satan himself. Stops us in our tracks. And that's what happens when you get the platforms. This is in the dynasty of censorship right now. Censorship of the truth. The great apostasy. It's martyrdom. And martyrdom in the... Greek just means witness. We're trying to witness God's word and getting slammed to the bottom of the algorithms. Like, subscribe, wherever you are. Oh, I want to first also, we got reduced on the platforms. We got kicked off on other platforms. We're on about 10 platforms now. Oh, okay. And that's fine because other platforms have picked us up on the podcast. So if you're watching us from Ireland especially, send me an email. Send me and Tammy an email just to say hi. Because I can see on the algorithms. Just say hi, companionchapel at gmail.com. And I'll put that on the screen. 
or Nambia, Africa. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that know, the greatest thing? Awesome. The way the word of God gets broadcasted around the world. How glorify and magnify it. Whatever God-given talent you have. And throughout all the United States. And I think that's just the greatest thing. Anyways, let's get back to this. And then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? What are they saying here? What, who do you think you are? Jesus Christ. They're taunting him. Like, who do you think you are? He just flipped all the tables. and What, did he get arrested? No. They know there's something more to this guy. Because if, if I walked in to a church and flipped tables with a whip... I'd be arrested. No bail. Got to poop in a pail. Get no mail. You know, oh, my like, goodness. <laughs> what? Stop that. Well, that's what happens. It didn't happen to Jesus Christ. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it. Watch this, okay? What's he talking about? I'll read the next two verses. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But Jesus Christ spake of the temple of his body. We are the many-membered body of Christ. When you adopt yourself back into that family, Israel, we are the pillars as it's written in Revelation 3.12. We become the pillars. That's the structural fabric of the millennium temple itself as we're preparing ourselves for the to be the wife of God for that thousand-year period. It's a priestly kingdom we preach. We are there preaching to people teaching people who didn't have a chance and you can look on the map today we know people in North Korea we know there's people that just did not have a chance through oppression through economic oppression through political oppression through wars but what about the people that had a chance and just decided to go their own merry way thinking they know all that uh, too bad you've exhausted your caregiver and we pray for you in the here and now. Now let's go back. Destroy this temple. Remember what the enemies of the Lord said. This lead clergy. And their congregation. When we get to Matthew 26. They changed the words with subtlety. That's what Satan does. They said I will destroy. They added the word I. When they were persecuting Jesus. He said I will destroy. But here he just says destroy this temple. Three days, I'll raise it up. What do you mean three days? Where did Jesus Christ go for those three days? He went back to the prisons to teach people that have come and gone before he could became, he came and fulfilled prophecy. People that would have read Psalm 69 and read Genesis chapter 316 going, wow, we didn't get to see the Messiah. We didn't get to see him. He went back to the prisons, 1 Peter 319, to preach to the people that were in the prison which would only seem like a couple days because one day at the Lord is a thousand years. John 5.25 and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. That's where he went for those three days. That's what he's talking about. I'm building my temple. I'm collecting my children back. And those who don't want to participate, nether parts of the earth where there is no praise or presence of God whatsoever. So verse 20... Oh. Then the Jews said, 40 and 6 years. That would be a great construction crew to be on. 46 years. Now, 40 is the number of probation. 6 is the number of man in all their unprincipled ideologies. And that's adulteries outside of God's word. 40 and 6 years, this temple. Yeah, mankind, is that, that would have been a, a lot of leaning on shovels and smoking darts all day. <laughs> it took 46 years to build this temple. That's a great you will do anything to get out of work. 23, 22. And therefore, now this is John speaking. 
Now, John's inspired text was written after Christ was crucified and resurrected, so we have to determine when Christ is speaking and when John is speaking retroactively. Okay, so here's John speaking retroactively. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name. Going back to present time when Jesus Christ was kicking it at the Passover, when they saw miracles, which he did, not miracles, the word Simeon in the Greek, signs. John never used the word miracles. Jesus Christ isn't a sideshow. He's showing us signs. He does execute performances far beyond our current understanding of physics to show us, dude, there's way more out there. You in the human body are bound by the principles of being human. We've been reduced and restricted in these flesh bodies, passed through the matrix once, born innocent of women, so that we can come to terms with what's inside of us that is not conducive to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. We fell out of harmony. We fell out of harmony with the universe. That's very daunting, but Jesus Christ gives us a way out. That's why you can say, "Father loves you." Gave his only begotten son. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And needed not to he needed not that any should testify of man. For he knew what was in man. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. It's, it's instigated by this adversary Satan himself. Enmity between thy seed and her seed. That's hostile hatred. Now this word commit is trust. He didn't trust them. He knows what's in their heart. The same word is used but they translated it. Believed. And it's in a different tense in the last verse. And it means continual action. He's a, he knows. He knows what's in their heart. He says, I don't like, you, you see this, you get all wound up. It's like people who get first Christians and then they just, okay, I'm a Christian on Sunday, but on Monday I'm going to see my banker because they invest in anything as long as there's a return. Yep, I need the money. All's fair in business. Child labor, labor exploitation, human rights violations. M make money or make the world a better place. Well, God says to invest in God's word. It's gold. That's what he's expecting from you. Companion Chapel, this is a registered nonprofit. I hope you enjoy John chapter 2. You don't want to miss John chapter 3. It talks about money and what this guy did. I want to thank you very much for watching. Have yourself a great day. Don't forget to email us here at thecompanionchapel at gmail.com. Hi, everyone. And bye for now.